This just in from the FIA. After a dominant 2013, Sebastian Vettel has already been crowned F1 World Champion 2014. But on the understanding that he promises to stay at home and let someone else have a go at leading a race. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm the one called Gareth, he's the one called Zog. Hello. And this is the one called Richard. Hello. And if you want to get involved in Gareth Jones on Speed, can I recommend that you visit the Facebook fan site? As indeed Mike Stoner did a couple of weeks ago, Mike suggested an idea for a topic of conversation on this programme. And you can't fault it. He asked, what is the default colour for most car makes. Okay, we'll do the obvious ones for... Well, no, hang on. I think what well, he actually said was, if you're right, there's a good two-pronged thing here. Yeah. What he actually said was the essential colour. Essential colour. What colour okay. should yeah. a car be? Yeah. His suggestion was, for example, that Hondas should all be white. Mm-hmm. It's Japanese racing white. I think he's thinking of yeah. Integra Type Rs and Civic Type Rs and things like that. Yeah. Where you, is your it? grandma's jazz. I mean, if you went, oh, you bought it in Japanese racing white. Grandma, yeah, it wouldn't mean so, much. <laughs> yeah. so Mercedes have to be silver or yes. yellow if they're being cabs in some cities. Does that mean Audis be, have uh, to be silver? Are we following the silver arrows rule as well? No, 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 no. Uh, Audis can be blue if it's an RS4. It's got to be blue, oh, isn't yeah. it? Is that, it called Nagaro yeah. blue or something like that? Very that, good. That is, I think that it could be. Subaru and Pratis like. have to be blue. They do. Uh, Garo Ferraris indeed. have to be red or yellow if you want them to keep yeah. their resale value. Yeah. Or well, yes. if, you, if you don't want their resale value to plummet too catastrophically. Yeah. They used to do a really nice, basically British racing green, though, which looked really good on the 456. Do you remember that? Yeah. Which actually looked terrible yes. in red. Yes. It looked far too sort of fat at the back. Yes, true. They did this, I think it was called Verdi Inglese, English green. <laughs> It was like a lovely like sort a of British, British screen. It looked terrific yeah. on those things with tan leather. Oh, but now I bet that was a smashing. Yeah. That's actually a thing. Can we just do a little subset? Yes, Ferraris yeah. should be red, yeah. rosso corso, or yellow. What's the yellow called? The prize is Giallo Fly. Very good. Oh, which is, yeah, I just yeah, think yeah. that's poetry yeah. in a car name. Absolutely. And, but you're uh, saying that the red but car does has depend- to have black. It- well, it leather, depends on the but, model. Um, the thing. It depends on the model. In yeah. terms of the colour, like I say, some models don't suit the red or the yellow mm, so well. True. I think four-seat Ferraris yeah. should never have be red. to be something else. Yes, yes. Okay. agreed. Yeah, that's okay. correct. Very good. Can I just I go back to something you said about Mercs, though? You know, you well, said about taxis the, being with the yellow. possible exception of the mm. FF, actually. Oh, what should an FF be? It works in red. But it's that deeper red that they were on the publicity Ox pictures. blood red. Yeah. Mm. Not Rosso. Bright red. May, well, it's all right. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Actually, FF is okay. It's the exception that proves the rule, But perhaps. then it looks rather discreet in a sort of grey. Mm. Grigio, as they is call it. I remember seeing a 355 a long time ago, and it was like a charcoal grey. that just mm. suited it beautifully. Mm. I think it was actually the best colour I saw. It what colour would you not have a Ferrari in then? Pink? Wouldn't have any car in pink, apart from a Cadillac from 1957. I was going to say, yeah, definitely yeah. Cadillac, or a particular 917. Oh, uh, the, uh, the pink pig. Yeah, 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 acceptable. You were saying about Mercedes cabs being yellow, but if you go to Germany, where it seems in all their major cities the cabs are mostly Mercedes, and they're a oh, sort like of a cream, cream yeah, 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 yeah. That's now, yeah. this yeah, yeah. is, I discovered Absol- a while that ago... That is a fantastic... Sort of butter, it's isn't a, it? Yeah, it is a very buttery colour. Mm. It's a factory paint, mm-hmm. but it's the taxi paint, basically. German taxi paint. Now, I've always wondered, if you went into a British Mercedes dealership and said, hello, I'd like to order an E-Class, but I would like it 
in German taxi colour, please. I mean, they've got the buckets of the stuff at the factory. It can't be beyond the wit of them Splash to build them, you one. Yeah, but whether like, they go, oh, don't do that. No, I want a buttery coloured E-class. I want Customers an SLS always. in buttery. Exactly. Taxi, an SLS. Taxi, 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 oh, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, an SLS in German yeah. taxi butter colour. I like what you're saying. And then every time you went to Heathrow Airport to pick up your wife, you'd get German tourists trying to get into it, assuming it was a taxi. But because of SLS, you could only pick up one tourist and you get your choice of which tourist you pick up. <laughs> I'm going with You're this. imagining some au pair just coming out. Going, oh, I'm in a strange country. Oh, look, oh, there's a taxi. <laughs> Gullwing door goes up and Zog goes, well, hello, my dear. You know me so well. Yeah, I was about to say you're inside his head quite clearly. All right, British girls, then. I say British girls. Mini. What colour would a mini be? Yellow? Red? The current mini I'm talking about. OK, can we have it not in Foxton's colours? Yes. Anything other than those? Uh, if you don't live in London, you may have been spared this. I can't say anything about Foxton because in the whole history of me doing Sniff Petrol on the interweb, which is, what, 12 years now, I've only ever had one legal letter. Oh, you've mentioned that And it was before. from Foxton's. Yeah. OK, so you so have I'm nothing not more say, to say on this subject. Say anything about I, I can say whatever I like about Foxton's. Other London don't. estate agents are available. And they're not ghastly c- And there aren't too many estate agents in this country, period. Half a million, that's a good number. Right, Ford's default colour, then. Bring it back onto a legal subject that will get us in trouble. (laughs) The bleep machine is working, isn't it? Yes, it is. checking. Yes, (laughs) over time. Don't want to lose my Ford, Okay, you've got to be more specific. Which model? Oh, okay. Well, if it was a Cortina, I'd say that sort of metallic, pale, silvery blue that they did. Do you remember? Yes. Now... I was thinking that there was a colour that used to be around in, I suppose, the 80s and into the 90s, which I think was called Moonstone. Oh, that's almost grey. Yeah. The Sapphire Cosworth always looked rather good yeah. in, I think it was Moonstone, which is a grey-blue metallic. Is, yeah. However, Very a three-door Sierra Cosworth should always be white. Damns the rules. My mate Andy Ruffle used to have an XR4 TI, is that what it was called? The Belgian biplane? And that was white. Just an XR4i. It was, XR4i. Uh, it was a TI in America, strangely. Uh, the Mercura, Mercura XR4i TI. Exactly, yeah. That's right. Yeah. The Hindustan Ambassador. Now, I can't think what range of colours it is actually available in. That doesn't suit anything bright anything metallic brown anything yeah it's got to be a fairly muted black. sort of earth yeah black well it's a brown, 50s design so everything in the 50s was in black and white but the important addition to that is that during the 50s brighter colors came in and one of the reasons that we associate for example pink with the mid 50s cadillacs is that they started producing a lot of them in pink because the pink paint became available yeah yeah and, uh, I, I believe right. that and is the case. similarly believe tell us if we're wrong similarly there was a period in car history where green-coloured cars all but vanished because most green paint was lead-based in the past. And when people worked out that the green could be achieved using something else other than lead, green was brought back in. And that Uh wasn't that long ago. Well, hang on. Wasn't this also true of red, that red relied quite heavily on lead? And when they went to water-based paint, the red faded terribly. And you see a lot of golfs from the 80s. And Mm. I'm trying to think who else. Red Mm -hmm. voxels, cavaliers, Mm. basically went pink because the paint just faded out terribly because it was water-based all of a sudden Mm. and it just didn't hold. I reckon those Vauxhalls were simply homing. They were going to the default GM colour, which is pink for General Motors Chevrolets of the 1960s, and these Vauxhalls were trying to be Chevrolets in their heart. Maybe not. It was just the Couldn't thought. quite make it. No. There's something that never really sticks unless you are talking about a Ferrari, and that's yellow. And it just reminded me, because talking mm. about Fords, the original Mondeo, when it was launched, mm. 
was available in this very acidic yellow, which I think was called citronella or something. (laughs) And it lasted for about six months, and they just went, no one's buying this, delete it. Rover 75, same thing happened when that Uh, came out. Primrose yellow. I think I'd have a a Corvette in yellow, but that's because I've seen... Yeah, yeah, that's right, Corvette in yellow. that's a racing colour, yeah. That's true. That yellow Ford colour, I believe the Millennium edition of the Ford car and the Mondeo are all available in in that Millennium yellow colour. But that was a much more sort of sunflowery, rich yellow. I think the Mm. original... Mondeo launch yellow was really tart vivid yeah yeah, almost going into the end of the green spectrum key lime key lime exactly and it didn't sell and uh, yeah Rover 75 when that came out you could get a yellow on that very oldy worldy national trusty primrose yellow (laughs) it was called again lasted about six months because nobody bought it yellow cars are almost always on a hiding to nothing except Mm, for the Fiat Cinquecento Sporting which is always yellow, yellow yeah. basically. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I remember seeing a '968 mm. Club Sport in yellow, and I thought that mm. was a beautiful. Car. Yeah, that, that, yes, that would work. But then I always imagine that stripped-out cars like those Club Sports should be white, because in my mind somehow white is lighter. Mm. It's not. No, <laughs> no. I don't think Can I bring this to a head and just leave you with this one thought? A Ford Capri GT XLR, the 3000 GT XLR in orange, with a black bonnet. Mm. Yes, sir. Yes. Oh, like. Now, good Dave, I just can't think of an idea for an original signature colour for the new Allegro. And the launch is in less than a week. Me neither, Barry. It's a blimmin' disaster. We can't just announce an unpainted car, it'll be a laughing stock. What are we gonna do? I don't know, mate. You keep thinking. I'm just nipping off to the lab for a massive boom. Right. Wait, hang on a moment. What did you just say? I said, yo, just keep thinking about the signature colour for the Allegro. I'm nipping off to the lavvy. No, no, the last bit. A massive boom. You know what, mate? You're just giving me an idea. Seth Petrol with Gareth Jones on speed! If you listen to this podcast even once before now, you realise that we often get things wrong, don't we? We're not afraid to admit that we make mistakes. You know, it happens in the heat of broadcasting. Never knowingly over-research. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that we do in this programme is every summer I go away in the Gareth Jones on Speed summer holiday vehicle and I get an appropriate vehicle for that. And this year I got a car which I was completely wrong about totally wrong about it was the chrysler grand voyager and my first assumption about this car was when daimler benz took over chrysler in the states that they started from scratch with that platform of that car and based it on the e-class and made it rear-wheel drive no they didn't I don't know where I got that idea from. No, where did you get that? I thought the 300C well, was sort of that, but... Yeah, they didn't. All they did was develop the previous platform a little mm. bit when it went from the oh. RS to the RT, I think they call it. So I was wrong on that front. Sorry. Second of all, I thought, oh, well, you know, at least it's a Chrysler built in Europe, this one. You know, it's built in Graz, Austria, like all the European Chryslers that we've had recently. No, no. It's Canadian. It was built in Windsor, Ontario. And did you know that they also built them in China as well, the Grand Voyager? And previous generation was built, you're going to like this, in Missouri in a place called Fenton! Missouri. Really? Yeah. Fenton! I saw a lorry with Fenton written on the side really? this morning. And people I, were I, shouting If I wasn't time, driving, I would have taken a picture just so you could put it on Twitter with the words, bloody hell! <laughs> <laughs> and then the other assumption I made was that it would have a Mercedes diesel engine in it because of the legacy of Daimler's 
tenure of Chrysler, can we say that? And no, it was a VM Motori engine from yeah, Italy. Chrysler have long liked VM Motori, mm. haven't they? I think Merck have long taken their toys away. Well, they've bought them now, I believe. The Alfa Romeo wing that owns Chrysler has bought VM Motori now, as well as it's all pretty much in-house. Uh, but it was never a great engine. Do you remember the one that they used to have in the Range Rover, the Italian VM Oh, no, if it's the yeah. same family of engines, it's absolutely dreadful, yeah. Do you remember I came up to your house mm. in it, and you said, how is it? And I went, well, it's a bit crude, you know. The engine rattles and makes a bit of noise at low speed, and I'm not that impressed. But I was wrong. I was wrong, because fair play to that engine, it's actually pretty thrifty. I got over 30 miles to the gallon out of it. The Chrysler Grand Voyager... That's not bad for a thing of that size. Big car. Even bigger than that fantastic Nissan El Grand. It's even longer than that, which is pretty long. Not at all. So I was wrong about that. I was wrong about the chassis. I was wrong about it not being rear-wheel drive. I also thought that it wasn't a particularly cool car. I chose it on function. And I was wrong about that because I went to pick up my mate's son. I was taking number one son and his mate all the way down to Surrey for a journey. And as I pulled up outside, he went, oh, and this lad is a big Top Gear fan. He likes his cars. He went, oh. The two aren't necessarily linked. <laughs> <laughs> he went, oh, Chrysler Grand Voyager, cool, like they have in The Apprentice. Really? Oh, really? Mm, okay. And I was I mean, genuinely cool, taken aback at that. Really? Did he spend you know. the whole journey in the back talking utter twaddle about business? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gave you know, 128%. Oh, it's always, always an improbable percentage. 8 billion percent. percent. I'm not in, I'm not 100% convinced by the kids. Here, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. it's, mm. but it did have some stuff that started to save the car. It's got two drop-down TV screens. You know, one that drops down for the second row of seats and one for the third row of seats as well which drops down which are motor powered that whole rear folding of the third row of seats press a button it happens takes a very long time but it happens and you can split it as well you can do the single seat and the two seat so it's very practical in that respect but the thing I like best about this car is something that they have, I believe, on the Citroën Picasso as well. Have you ever had a really good look at a Picasso? I try not to. Not yeah. really close. Well, the no. interior's very good. It's got underfloor storage. I thought you were going to say underfloor heating. <laughs> yeah, it's got a basement. Kitchen, yeah. Like what the Romans in yeah, It had a basement, this car. Yeah, the Chrysler Grand Voyager, like the Picasso, has got... Sorry, sorry, I just realised... No, that. I, I, I had a flashback to a Steve McQueen movie, but... No, I just realised that I've lived in North London for too long, because when we said underfloor heating, you thought of the Romans, I thought of a nice kitchen. So <laughs> <laughs> must stop shopping at um, Metro's. As you know, we picked this car up for camping. And the most important thing about a camping car is volume. It has to be able to accommodate almost everything, if not everything. There's always stuff you leave behind or you put a top box on. This car, because it had this underfloor storage, and it wasn't just half-arsed, oh, you might get a spade in there or, you know, one collapsible pillow or something. In the underfloor storage, I had not one, not two, not three, but four camping chairs, all the fishing equipment all the sports equipment, it was unbelievable. There was more room under the floor in this car for storage 
than there is in the back of uh, probably a Fiat. Was it still there when you got there? Are you sure it wasn't just an escape hatch? Dropping through. Well, the question in my mind here is, if you're talking about all this underfloor space for your storage, mm. to my mind, in a vehicle, and I know this is clearly ruling me out of contention as any possible future people carrier designer, but basically you want to take your centre of gravity low, yeah. you don't want too much weight up high. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you've got a hole in the floor big yeah. enough to put a couple of camping chairs in your fishing kit yeah. here, yeah. Yeah. that space that should have in it some of the mechanics of the car rather than putting them any higher up. I'm sorry, this sounds like bad design to me. <laughs> <laughs> Why not well, put the seats lower and the people lower because yeah. yeah. they're heavy, two yeah. heavy things, yeah. and put a cavity in the roof for your folding chairs. For your folding chairs, which yeah. are not as heavy. So, like do the maths. Do the maths. Built-in roof yeah, box. Yeah. Do the maths. dynamic. Yeah, it's a, good. No, a, it's good. That's, a yeah. lightweight thing high up, further from the centre of roll, is going to have a lot more effect than just shifting your head up, because that's the only part of the body that goes up there. So use the storage low down. No, no, but if you drop the Moments, whole person and all the seats... Your head is thinner than the rest of your body. Therefore, that's the right bit of the body to have at the top and further away from your centre of roll. Unless you're Jessica um, Watson it from Sex in the City, in which case her head is much larger than the rest of her body. Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, Sarah uh, Jessica Parker, yeah. 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 Lollipop woman. Um, yeah. <laughs> Take yeah. your point. Yeah. We got so much stuff down there, I wouldn't surprise if we equal the mass of the car in the underfloor storage. But what that did was free up space in the car. This is the mm-hmm. first time we've ever been camping, and we've had the Peugeot Tippy, we've had... Okay, be- like, this is not the first time you've ever been camping. No, no, no. The first time we've been camping and got everything Uh, in on the first attempt you know not like okay repack and then you come back in the house you go oh we'll take the spare tent as well and we'll put those extra seats in and then you come back a third time and you've actually run out of stuff to put in the car that's never happened before we were looking for stuff well maybe next year you could take I don't know a Luton van or something (laughs) (laughs) look at it it. an old transit with a Luton body on it infinite amount of space for all your stuff I like the way you think and uh, awful rattly old diesel engine it'd be right at home (laughs) this is the thing about that engine I was critical of it when I first came over to your place but having lived with it for a couple of weeks and driven it around, either I tuned it out or it settled down. Oh, it was got, only you've noisy. You've got Stockholm syndrome. Is that mm. what it is? Yeah, yeah. You, you become sympathetic. You do, yeah. You had to learn to love the horrible things in order to be able to get through the experience. Mm. I, I thought it was a well-designed and well-engineered car. By the time we gave it back, everything in it worked and worked easily and it was just the sheer volume. And was it Ford always say space is the ultimate luxury? Do you remember that advertising mm-hmm. campaign for the Galaxy and stuff? Uh, yeah. If space is the ultimate luxury, and I've always said that the Mercedes R-Class is not only the best premium MPV, it is the only premium MPV. This Chrysler Grand Voyager... Apart from two limousines. <laughs> it doesn't touch the Mercedes for build quality in that sense of occasion. But in terms of spec, it was all there. Okay, the interface was like an Amiga. Do you remember the way Amiga graphics used to look? The 1203, whatever it was called. Was it the 1201, 1203? The Amiga, the first multimedia PC. It wasn't a PC, multimedia computer. It looked like that, but it worked. It was simple. It was classic sort of American intermediate engineering. You know the way the Americans fix something and they don't really change it much. They evolve it slightly. Harley-Davidson's a classic 
in everything, the everything about you know, mm. most Americans still use top loader washing machines. There you go, that's it. Really? And also, American yeah. door handles are very rarely the lever kind, they're just the knob kind, because well, they work. American inventors can be so good at coming up with new technology. But they also ideas, like right? to refine something to a point where it's very easy to mass produce it yeah. cheaply, yeah. and people prize cheapness and value yeah. in America. Yeah. I think extremely highly, yep. and so rather than put the price up by investing more in R and D, they get to a point where something works perfectly okay. Keep it going, and just keep it going. Yeah. I was thinking about this mm. only this evening. Mm. I drove yeah. over here in my old Jeep Cherokee, and it's in many ways it's, it's ruddy awful. But by God, it's got smooth gear changes mm. on the auto box because the same box. box works on the same principle as it has done for many many decades. Yeah, when that car was built in the late nineties, they'd got it down to a fine art. I mean, for a late nineties car, it changes gear like a Lexus, and only mm. Lexuses change gear like that in the late nineties. Yeah. <laughs> it really. Is it's incredibly smooth and you just think and much of it is incredibly crude and rough and yet somehow the gearbox mm, refined simple but does it well yeah. and I would say exactly the same with that Chrysler Grand Voyager it may not have the charisma of a Mercedes R-Class it may not have the charisma of a Land Rover Discovery but on simple practicality the fact that it actually really works very well it won me over a much better car than I thought it was going to be not a great car in terms of if you love cars but as far as filling its function it's unmatchable I'd say well done mm. the Chrysler Grand Voyager I admit I was wrong well you know Fair let's is. not be hasty um <laughs> <laughs> Secretary of the Treasury, sir. Oh, Jim. I'm glad you're here. I was just about to hang out this laundry. In the, uh, Treasury Department, sir? That's right. Just give me a moment to reach these darn socks at the bottom of the washing machine. Oh, gosh darn it. That's impossible. They're right at the bottom of the drum. Uh, Mr. Secretary, I I have rather more urgent matters to discuss, sir. It's the U.S. economy. The current deadlock is having grave fiscal consequences, sir. I I I feel we we must take action. Oh, Jim, relax. Don't you know the great American motto, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? But, sir, it is broke. Wait, I hadn't finished. The great American motto, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the other great American motto, if it is broke, also don't fix it. I'm not sure that's correct, sir. Sure it is. Why, trying to fix our busted economy would be as crazy as trying to invent a washing machine with a door on the front. I think they have those now, sir. Well, that's just communism. I have a strong sense that I'm about to be overshadowed. My couple of weeks or three weeks in a Chrysler Grand Voyager is going to be trumped by the list of 200 cars that Richard's probably driven in the last few weeks. Well, you wanted I, to mention yeah, some of them, didn't you? I looked at my diary and I realised that I'd been driving quite a lot of cars recently and I sort of hadn't mentioned them on the show or written about them because I've been a bit busy and or lazy. Yeah, loads of stuff. Things you've already read about if you read the car mags and stuff like that. Ford Fiesta ST, which is as good as they say. Brilliant fun. 
by the count of things, it's one of the greatest cars ever made. Uh, yeah, journalists. I mean, some people might have got a bit carried away, but it is really, really good fun. And It's a cure for it. HIV, isn't it, that yes, car? that's it. And yeah. yes, it heals the sick and has eradicated leprosy. Super. That's a good car. because of the crispness of its gear change. Uh, <laughs> by contrast, the Peugeot 208 GTI is actually a really, really good car, but unfortunately it's come out at the same time as the Ford, and the Ford's just a bit better. But the 208 mm. is definitely the second best hot hatch. I've just remembered the Suzuki Swift Sport. There you but go. It's the third best hot hatch you can buy. And then, <laughs> damn it, by faint praise, but actually I think it's a real grower. It's actually you quite love a nice little it just car. And I love the Suzuki and I yeah, love the Ford. You always have. I think the Peugeot is very likeable, and I mean that in a nice way. It's actually quite heartening because it seems like Peugeot are getting a little bit of their mojo back, making cars that are nice to drive. And it actually feels quite decent quality. I also had the 2008, we've seen this, which is the sort of high-riding so yeah. 208, but a yeah, bit yeah. taller. And this is this new fashion for yep. cars, the Nissan Duke sort of style. Or the Renault Capture. Is the latest one to join yeah. that little gang, yes. Yeah. And there's a Ford one, isn't there? An Eco Sport coming out. There is, yeah. And the Peugeot, that 2008, it feels like they've put a lot of work into it in ways where, like, the seats had three different types of fabric on them. I barely noticed this. My wife got in and went, oh, three different types of fabric. And I thought, okay, well, that's the kind of thing people go into a car showroom, they open the door, the first thing they see, three types of fabric. Mm. It's that old thing. quality. Dr. Ferdinand Piecht at VW said that... uh, Use the offcuts, he said. Yes, exactly. (laughs) From from me having my wife retooled. Um, He said that the reason the Golf had the flock-lined glove box was because he thought that buyers go into a showroom, they see the quality of the inside of the glove box, and they think, my God, if they've done that to their glove box, what's the inside of the engine like? And they would sell cars. People would... Hang on, does that mean the inside of the engine is like drenched in oil and then <laughs> ruined catch fire um, so yes, I was going to tell you so about the Kia, Kia, uh, a certain Kia yes. Kia Seed GT it's actually the Pro Seed which is the irritating name they give to the three door mm-hmm. the normal seed is a lovely car in as much as it just does everything that you need it is a five door hatchback that goes and stops yep. it feels quite well made it's pleasant enough to drive it's one of those cars where you drive it and you think oh, I can't find anything wrong with this it's quite boring almost but if you would recommend a friend to buy one with it's long one and it's hmm. reasonable prices. The three-door is a bit more sporty, and then they have this GT one, which has a 1.6-litre turbo engine, 200 horsepower. You see, a 1.6-litre nice. turbo engine is a lot of engine these days. It never really well, used to yeah, be. Yeah, I know, and 200 well, horsepower. Now, it's like, that's yeah. right. In a car that yeah. size and that weight, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, mm. that's all right. And well, you, you know when it goes out well, of production, they're going to call it the Kia X Seed? <laughs> Thank you. So... <laughs> Yeah, three-door, sportified, big alloys, and body kit, and stripy things, and bits and pieces. And one of my neighbours was so intrigued by this car, he came out of his house to ask me about it. Oh, about a Kia. I know. That's an and that's the thing. And we yeah. had this very conversation where he went, oh, Kia, I wouldn't believe I'd have been interested in a Kia. And I was yeah. like, no, and I give it 10 years, you'll be going VW who? Because yeah, they yeah, are, yeah. and they're, they're on a march, march now. The very word, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this brings me to something which I think where they have maybe benchmarked the Seed GT against the Golf GTI. It is not mm-hmm. a Larry raucous, constantly on-the-go kind of car, in the way that, for example, the Fiesta ST is, and the Focus ST is to some degree, where they have that sort of like always-on feeling, and they mm. still drive mm. them normally, but they have that feeling that they barely They're contained energy. Yes. Quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. And their Golf GTI is a bit more sedate, and this is the model that Kia seem to have followed. But, because the car looks much more racy to my eyes than a Golf mm. GTI, it's a bit disappointing, and when you really give it some, it does mm. come alive a bit. But... Actually, also, 200 horsepower in a golf-sized car. The Golf GTI now has 220 or 230 horsepower if you get the Mm -hmm. performance pack. Mm -hmm. Focus STs around the same. That's sort of now where those size cars are going for Megane Cup. Yeah, that's 230. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... um, That was amazing, right? 200... 
which once upon a time was, was an insane amount of horsepower and was basically what a Ferrari 308 was yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. now that is a little bit flat I was Ooh, looking wow. for the sport button you know a lot of cars now they have a sport button it'll sharpen the throttle and do all sorts of exciting things and there wasn't one because there isn't one there's a button on the wheel that says GT and when you push it it just changes the instruments a little bit so it's, like, it's a very nice car but I don't think it's sparky enough it's not enough. quite delivering what you no, expected it doesn't have enough like zing are they leaving room for an even more like a GTR or a GTS I don't yeah. know I think they've just gone version. we yeah. want to be a bit VW-ish and mm-hmm. VW don't make super sparky GTIs they make ones that are sort of slow burners and growers it's it? not it's a bad model and the Korean manufacturers have copied uh, copied the wrong word taken the lead and or even stolen from the German manufacturers the, the guy Peter Schreier is Schreier, it? Yes. Schreier, Schreier Audi guy yeah. now designs all those lovely Korean cars he is he, now he, overall head of design for Kia and Hyundai so as a board level and yeah well done him he's done very well I'm sure it will pet their image oh it will because it's just the thing we were stuck in some traffic not far from here in North London and you could see people coming out of the Arsenal football game were double taking and pointing and a little kid took a picture of it at a Mm, Kia that's great there you go so Peter Schreier can sit in his office with his trendy glasses and his big watch and his polo neck and say I've done a good job yeah Yeah. Mm. very quickly I was going to talk about two more cars BMW M6 Grand Coupe which you mentioned in an earlier podcast when you were at the Salon Prix very sensible, I thought. Yeah, well, and then until you start fiddling with all the settings, and then it goes utterly bananas if you want it to. Yeah, that yeah, was a that's... terrific car. There's only one problem. It's a basically £100,000 car, and that's just too much. Well, I suspect if anyone buys one, it will depreciate like crazy, and when they're 12 quid, I would have one like a shop, so I thought it was absolutely marvellous. Just look at it. Well, price, beautiful yeah. car. Yeah. Beautiful car. And that was another one where people kept commenting on it. I was yeah. up north in it, and one of my dad's neighbours came out of his house to say hello, but really, I think he just wanted to slide look at the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Beautiful thing, and hellish quick as well for a big can thing. you imagine how beautiful that would be if it was a shooting brake though can you imagine an m6 grand coupe shooting brake sorry i went quick to the photoshop is there anything that doesn't suit being turned into a shooting yeah. brake? <laughs> a yeah, motocross I, bike yeah. as okay. a shooting brake gareth once proposing that a lynx eventer was turned into a coupe and then back into a shooting <laughs> brake just so he could have <laughs> the pleasure so of imagining sense. it being shooting brake eyes <laughs> Finally, <laughs> the car that surprised me the most. You know you were saying that Grand Voyager surprised you. Yeah, it really and did. I was very surprised in recent weeks by the Audi SQ5. Oh. The Q5, you know, is their medium-sized, yeah, yeah. sort of one. soft off-roader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's yeah, all right. And it seems to attract slightly awful people in North London, certainly driving around. And that it, was me. Not you, personally. Oh, see, but yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a certain sort of... Slightly less annoying than X5 drivers. But oh, yeah, God, they're not that bad. Whoa, yeah. And it's on. a much oh, no, bigger no, no. car yeah. than you realise. No, it was close it in length to a Ranger over the Q5, as I remember. Is Seriously. It? Yeah, it's right. I seem to remember. Oh. It was a much bigger car. And I felt it was just a bit under. And it oscillated diagonally. It teetered oh, diagonally. That was this. the weird thing. Well, so here's the thing. The SQ5 is mm. the sporty one, as the mm. name suggests. And mm-hmm. it has a V6 diesel engine in it. Mm-hmm. And you look at the stats and you go, oh, it's quite grunty. And it's actually really, really good. But it's not particularly sporty. However, in this case, unlike the Kia, this is a good thing. Because it has a nice ride. It goes like stink when you want it to. But in a very sort of surging kind of pleasant way. Torque is one of the greatest luxuries you can have in a car. Because it makes it effortless and relaxing to drive. Mm. You don't have to worry about an overtaking move or anything like that. It just happens. And it was a very comfy car. And the chassis feels really pinned down. Contrary to what you experience yeah, with yeah. the normal one. It feels like they've actually sorted it out. And well, it, it feels absolutely right solid on the road you can chuck it around corners but it doesn't break your back 
back over bumps, unlike many sporty Audis. And also, it has a button you can press where it synthesizes a sound which makes the engine sound preposterous. It's like a real <laughs> growl. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like some kind of American muscle car in the distance. It's amusing for a while, but then you put the window down and you realize that the outside engine isn't making that noise at all. <laughs> it's still rattling it like a diesel. But you can turn it off and it yeah. just becomes a really, really civilized, normal, quite brisk car. Shocked at how likable it was. Interesting, two cars there which have both got room for development. That Pro CGT looks like it could be a quicker car if they worked mm. on it more. The SQ5, of course, is going to be a quicker car when they do the, what's the new small Porsche off-roader called? The Macan. The Macan. It's built on that chassis. So, once again, we are right. You've been listening to <laughs> Richard, who's always right. Mm, well. Zog, who's usually right. Thank you, goodbye. And me, who's a right. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed Theater R. <laughs> To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Dad, how do clouds stay in the sky? Well, son, it's because they're white. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>